League One and two clubs are set to restart their campaigns a week on Saturday. But what about the sides below that? As the days and weeks go on, just how are seasons going to be finished in time? We'll discuss that and hear some inside information from Paul. One of the League Two sides who will be back in action is Stranra, and later we'll hear the second part of our interview with club legend Alan Jenkins. First, we'll hear about his move to ambitious Gretna. He'll tell us what it was like being cup-tied for the Scottish Cup final, why James Grady's dramatic injury time goal was the worst thing to happen, and what it was like playing in the top flight after being told he wasn't wanted. But Alan is idolised in Ireland too. He went on to play even more games for Balamina than he did for Stranra. He'll look back on six years at the showgrounds under the best manager he's played under, and the only one who'd kiss him before kickoff. The scoring the goal that helped lift the League Cup after discovering his mum had been diagnosed with cancer. And there's his move into the juniors, first with Hilford, when Ocken Lech Talbot snatched away the Scottish Cup, and then with Darvel. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. A quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. If you're looking for photographers, graphic designers, videographers or video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation or event, then they'd love to hear from you. They make creation personal. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. We'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name's Chris Jane and I'm the Cowan and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. We're chatting a moment then here from Stranra and Balamina legend Alan Jenkins. But before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, Paul, you've got the clues this week. Over to you. Simple this week, Gareth. You'll get it. You well, I'm feeling the pressure because normally there's two of us and, and there's, I can bounce a bit off the other person, you know, buy a bit of time. But, you know, I haven't got that this week. Yeah, but you'll get this. So they were founded in 1878, then reformed in 2002. They've won the Scottish Second Division in 2003-2004. They were once described as the luckiest team in Scottish football having benefited in league division placements due to other teams' misfortunes on three occasions, 2008, 2009, 2012. And in June 2013, they changed their name, reverting back to their original name of 1878. Oh, he's got it. He's shaking his head. Well, I think I've got it, I think I've got it. <laughs> I will be revealed later. Hi, my name's Carlo Walker, and I'm the manager of Mabel. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Well, Paul, as I said in the intro, uh, clubs from League One and Two are close to a return. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, 
and we're still waiting for more detail, but it looks like March the 20th will be the return date. Uh, you're obviously co-manager of, of New Mains United in the West of Scotland League conferences. Uh, have you had an update on on what's happening? You know, will you finish your season? So I've been very lucky uh, that Kenny Young, who's been on the show, has always said to us, if there's anything we want cleared up or if anything we want to speak about, to give him a phone. So I did that today. And to be honest, he was very helpful. Now, I think one thing I'm going to say is the league is in the dark as much as the people because it's a Scottish government decision at the end of the day and the SFA and it'll come down to testing. However, I spoke to Kenny today. Kenny says to me, everybody wants clarity and everybody wants a target of when we're getting back. And as it stands right now, teams can only go back training limited contact or non-contact 15 people at a time and that includes and that includes coaches so until even that's changed nothing's really going to happen but something really interesting he did say to me Gareth and that was the season has to be finished by the 22nd of May that's because the winners of the Premier League will then go into the playoff with the East of Scotland League to get into the Lowland League as it stands, our league, for that to stand, would have to have 50% of their games played. And as it stands right now, the latest date, the latest date Kenny can run this is the 17th of April. So we would, they would then be playing the season from the 17th of April to the 22nd of May, which is really quite a tight time scale. And I really don't envy his job. But what I did do, I actually had a look at East of Scotland League and East of Scotland League some teams I think are maybe only four games away from completing half a season so they're in a real strong position they're, they're quite strong position they only really need to get four fixtures played having spoke to Kenny it will be the league's intention if they get the go ahead on the 17th of April to start the league the league will go ahead however the clock's ticking teams need three, four weeks training sessions and my gut feeling is it's going to be a struggle and and I know a lot, maybe the Premier League teams have paid a lot of money for club licensing and stuff like that but I just get the impression that it's, it's going to be really tight for that to happen maybe, I don't know, maybe the Premier League teams will go back and just play enough to get you know over the line but it, it, it's, it's not looking great at all. Yeah, I mean, that April the 17th, you said, the start date? 17th of April is yeah. when the first fixtures need to get played. And you're talking four or five weeks to get maybe 10 games played. is a, a lot to ask. One other thing I did suggest to Kenny, and again, I said to him, you know, what, would it not be better now for us to finish? The, the team's to finish just now and look at bringing the season next season possibly forward because I think it would be a great opportunity come July summer football or or later nights football Uh, and and Kenny made an interesting point to me he's got another headache on his hands for next season because he's now got a 20 league Premier Premier League he's got to get fixtures 20 team league yeah he's now got to get fixtures for them for next season there's the introduction of 
uh, the, the cup competitions that we play and potentially a new cup competition. The teams that are also in the junior leagues will now also enter the Scottish Cup. So you can imagine from his point of view, there's a backlog of fixtures that he's going to need to get through. So I certainly don't envy his job, but from our point of view, the West of Scotland point of view, I think now season's over, guys. I, I really do. And that's only my, that's not what Kenny said, that's my opinion. Season, season will be over. Uh, maybe, maybe a push the Premier League teams will go back. I don't know. Uh, but even at that, there's, there's another thing here. League One, League Two, you mentioned in, in, in the introduction, are going back, I think, next Saturday. Yeah, that's right. But I'm sure, if I mean, you could correct me if I'm, I'm right or wrong here, they have to test twice a week. Well, that's not even filtered down to our level. And I read a statement this week from Matt Bamford. And I don't like making statements. I don't have them in front of me. But Matt, I think, had basically said along the lines of that in the last round of talks, really, the West of Scotland League wasn't included in that. So, again, I asked Kenny about that. And he's now said, well, the league is recognised sort of by the professional gaming board. And they've now gone back to the SFA to ask for clarification on that. Gut feeling is, I probably hate to be the bearer of bad news or or whatever, but I don't think it's looking great. Yeah, I mean, we had Kenny on, as you said, recently. And in fairness to Kenny and the league, they were as bullish as I guess they could be within the circumstances that they were going to do everything in their power to finish. But so, So it does sound like, based on information you've got I know you've spoken to not just Kenny but um, the, the information you've managed to get hold of then that kind of bullishness unfortunately might they might have to be this kind of uh, resigned kind of uh, this resigned outlook that you know we, we just can't we just can't do it especially with that may may cut off date what I will say Gareth is the league's very Proactive, proactive, the right word when, when we're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit at the moment. But yeah, I'd say they're very proactive and, and they want to get the message across to people. It's, you know, over the years we've seen organisations that are not as open and is not as free with information as they are with, with yeah, transparent with, the, with information as the West of Scotland League. So I think that's really encouraging from you know, the, a club's point of view, some people who might not have the access, that don't have the access, and we do because we put the show out, uh, might not feel that, but they really are as open and as helpful as they can be. And you think back to kind of week one or two when we started this, George Fraser was on, and George Fraser outlined everything to us. So they've all to be applauded in my eyes. And, and for those, those listeners out there who are thinking... Why can't the league be extended into a June, for example? Because of this now cut-off where the Premier League teams with the aspirations of who have club licences and want to go to the, the Lowland League, the cut-off day is 22nd of May. So that's when it is to, it's to be played by. I mean, I, I think you've kind of always been kind of quite open in recent weeks that that you felt as well that probably the best decision all around, the most sensible decision all around with so few games played would be to kind of almost like almost end this season, null and void it, and then and then look to next season and try and get next season 
set out the right way in the, in the circumstances. I guess is that the way you're feeling now? If 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 what you if your gut instinct is correct, would would that be something you would you would uh, be comfortable with? I can't remember Gareth when we got stopped playing. Was it January? Yeah. Was it January or was it December? January. December. Right, we got stopped playing. And I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I might be wrong, but I think maybe New Mains haven't played since December. Since December, that's correct. So, off, but the actual lockdown happened in January. Yeah, so from my point of view, January, I would have been desperate to get back. Like everybody else, you know, things were, things were good. As time ticks on, and I'm being selfish a little bit here as well, I'm now thinking about what we actually need to do to our park, what, what other work needs done, do you know what I mean? And, and if we don't have the time to do that, will our park hold up, come into next season and stuff like that? From And I've always been an advocate of this from a branding point of view uh, and, and, and for you know real change in Scottish football and this pyramid system, let's not murk it and cloud it by you know, the first few weeks. The first, sorry, the first season, you're only playing 10 games and then we get people promoted off the back of that. And, and I know the guys in the top league will be saying, ah, but it's all right for you. We've spent £70,000, £80,000 on floodlights. We now want to kick on. And I have every sympathy for that as well. But from from a business point of view, you know, you, you look at the West of Scotland League and you think, let's go next year. Let's, you know, because next year is actually going to be so competitive. Because, and I'll go back, I'll only ever talk about my team. We've got a chance. We've been a Division 2 team for so many years. Can we put up enough fight in the conference that we've got that's going to, when we revert back to leagues, are we going to be a League 1 side? That's a promotion to us. They've never been that high. So it's something really to go for. Something, you know, it's a real challenge there. At the moment, for me, going back and playing six, seven games with nothing at the end of it, well, there's no challenge. And the added costs that we're going to have to pay for the sports centre for non-contact, you know, training. Maybe have to book it twice because we can only really take 10, 11 players with the coaches there as well. It's an expense that probably clubs at our level won't see. Again, Clyde Banks and Darvels and Rossvales, no, I might not see it that way, but from, from our point of view, I think it's time that we maybe just get somebody to say, do you know what? It's done, guys. Yeah. So it looks like uh, doesn't things don't look um, too promising for a league return this year. But I guess a bit like some of the League One and League Two clubs have been talking about as they wait to find out if you know if they do open up their fixture list again a week on Saturday. They don't know who they're playing yet. The, the certainly the devil is in the detail there. But they just want they just want a decision. They just want uh, somebody to actually put a bit of meat on the bone. And uh, to let them know one way or the other, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be 22 league games for them. I think 18 seems to be the preferred way, but they just want to know what's happening one way or the other. And I think, Paul, that'd be that'd be what you guys would want as well. Just a, a decision, a call. Just a call, a decision. I, I think as well, I think after League One and League Two clubs having to test, I think it would be interesting to see the viewpoint if, if the Lowland League and the likes of yourselves who are then allowed back, not either having to test or to test at a lower scale or to have the temperature check or these kind of things, because obviously the pan- the, the virus doesn't distinguish between what, what league you're playing in, does it? And that, well, that, that again, 
this is what we've said all along, isn't it? When when I, when I see them going back, does that mean you know I look at the, you know it's like a it's a ranking system here. If I'm if I'm in the League Two, you know it comes across as if you're less chance of you getting the you getting COVID. But at the end of the day, these guys have to go to their work and mix with their families the same as everybody else. So let's hope we get a decision on the third of April. A line's drawn under it. I've listened, uh, I'd read a few things over the last couple of weeks, I spoke to a few managers, read a, a good article, Mark Weir, Clute Rollers down. He, you know, a few weeks ago, he's even saying, just just do away with it now. And I think that's the kind of feeling that everybody's, that everybody certainly at our levels look for. Right, well, that's uh, all interesting stuff. Thanks for that, Paul. Hi, I'm Paul Maxwell, manager of Ashfield Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Paul and I spoke to former Stranra and Gretna midfielder Alan Jenkins recently. There was so much to chat about and the stories were so good, we thought we'd split it into two parts. In the first part, we heard about his spell playing for his hometown team at Stair Park. This week, we're looking back at everything that happened after that including Gretna and his long six-year spell with Balamina. Hope you enjoy it. Shinra legend Alan Jenkins is with us this week. Uh, Alan, we've covered Shinra, but, but let's look back at your other club. Uh, I guess you, you went from Shinra to Gretna. I guess the first thing there was, I mean, you, you it was a club that was definitely on the up. It would kind of capture the imagination of Scottish football, if you like, but you were cup-tied for that Scottish Cup final in 2006, weren't you? Well, unfortunately, it was the day, the day Clyde beat Gret, uh, Clyde beat Celtic 2-1, Roy Keane's debut, I think it was. We played Dundee, I think that must have been a two o'clock kick-off. We played Dundee at four o'clock at Dens Park on the Sunday. Uh, and uh, that cup-tied me. I went and signed with Gretna on the Thursday after that. Never envisaged that they would go through the rounds the way they did. The draw was very kind to them, I think, if I'm right, because they never actually came across, I don't mean this in any disrespect, to, I think they played Dundee, St Mirren, St Johnston, but they avoided like your, your Rangers, Celtic, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, your real big clubs, uh, and they obviously went through, and I was looking at coach, shaking my head, going, oh my God. Me and Martin Canning, Big uh, Canzo was the same, we were both cup-tied. They were in what I'm trying. So it was they were in like Division Two at the time. I'd left Stranraer, who were in Division. Obviously, on the back of the two promotions with Stranraer, I'd went to Division One, and then in the January, in the in the transfer window, I left to go to Gretna, who were in Division so Two. Was this the start of the Gretna? I the, the, Brooks Mileson coming in and and yeah. spending spending one or two pounds. Aye, I well we don't we'd kind of got wind of that because we'd competed against them to win the third division trophy with uh, right. So we, we knew when they all rocked up in their suits and their BMWs and everything. So we knew that there was something big happening. Uh, and obviously then, this is here, went through the divisions with Shinrat and dropped back from the first division to the second division. Albeit Gretna were a million miles clear of the rest, and they were they were obviously going to win the league. Uh, but I had dropped back a division, but I was obviously moving to full time fo- football, which was my which was my ultimate aim. What, what was it like back in those days? I mean, Brooks Mileson was the kind of uh, he was the emblem of the club a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and and he was so he was so kind of unorthodox with the way he went about things, and and uh, I mean he was great for for guys like myself working in the in the media. But what what are, what are your memories of those days and him? Well, my memory of my first meeting with myself and my dad went down along with Neil Watt. Neil Watt helped kind of facilitate the deal because it, it was important that Stranraer were going to get a fee from me. 
because I could have left at the end of the season, so no, I wouldn't get a penny. So that's why we, we, we did it in the window, so so no, I would get some get a, a, a bit of compensation. Uh, went round, sit, met with round, and myself and my dad and talked football and how where he saw me playing and how we would fit into the plans and kind of walk me around the, the kind of structure of the place. Brooks and, and Neil went away and discussed the financial aspect of it, and then Brooks came back in with his wellies on, his hair tied back, with his wax jacket, his green wax jacket slung the chair around, put his arm on top of it, smoking a cigarette, and says, uh, and, and just introduced himself and kind of sold me. He said, I want to get a team at the Premier League, a team in Europe. Uh, and you're looking about the, the kind of radial park and thinking, how are you got to do this, mate? <laughs> on, like, what? But he says, uh, oh, you've got some, some thinking to do. All the figures are with your, with your, with your manager. And we went along. There's, a, there's a, a hotel right on the roundabout next to the Gretna Gateway Village. And we, I went along there and met Neil. And Neil kind of broke down the terms of the deal to me. Listen, it's no, it's no secret, obviously, that, that, that Gretna was, was obviously the finance they had to go for part-time football. Three-and-a-half-year deal. It just And... And again, referring back to allowing me to commute for Stranraer, so I was I was still a homebird. Obviously, my family and friends were about me, so it was it was great. Uh, it was all going well till about forty six minutes into my debut, uh, and then Midge Miller snapped me into it, Morton, <laughs> and uh, I tore my ankle ligaments in my debut uh, for 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 Gretna. So it was uh, it was it was uh, I went for a high to an extreme low in a matter of a matter of minutes, a matter of, sorry, a matter of days. And do you recall that talk with Round? Because Round's passionate about his football, isn't he? And uh, passionate about Gretna, because obviously he was the man that was cutting the pitch, not just picking the team. He was, and like, like, I, I still speak to him now. He's a youth coach down in, down in uh, the Annan area, and I uh, Round was great. And because I was because I, I, I was a captain, obviously competing against him in the third division, we would hear that wee bit of banter and that wee bit of chat after the game, and, and he, he was all he's a good character, and all, I, I really like round. But he so listen, he'd obviously was so immersed in the Gretna dream and Brooks Mileson's vision for the club that he was a perfect person to sell it to, to me as a player. And listen, and I obviously I was fortunate that David Graham had made the move. Uh, six months before me, so so I could touch base with him. I knew Ryan McGuffey for youth foot, for Dumfries and Galloway youth football. So people that I could speak to about how how I would fit in and how how the club was run, and everything was everything was positive. Great, I was on the it was just on the way up, wasn't it? Everything, and then ultimately it got to the point where it, it couldn't it couldn't go on any longer. But that journey through the divisions was was incredible. Some great great tales to tell. And after that meeting, do you ever remember the handshake Rowan giving you? He has a, a firm handshake. Come on, Mick Wadsworth. Absolutely. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to shake their two hands. No, oh. no. Hey, wasn't it a golden handshake he gave me? Oh. So. <laughs> Throw <laughs> a ball up the road shaking your hand. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. He's he, And that's the way. He, but that's good. And again, it goes back to Billy McClellan days of the, the values of shaking somebody's hand properly, looking in the whites of their eyes, knowing that yeah, yeah, yeah. You're ready to go, and nah, he's, he's top man, Sayers, and uh, he was very, very harshly treated, and that's obviously been talked about in the media. But uh, the way he left the club was wrong for what he gave the club. Yeah, I mean that was it. it did all kind of go? I mean, you, you had that that final day promotion up to the up to the Premier League, didn't you? Um, yeah. Up in up in Dingwall, which was which was such a dramatic dramatic day. But you kind of got the impression. Probably now looking back, you know, there was only so far it could go, wasn't there? And there was a ceiling, and the ceiling was once once the club had got into the top division, 
how could they kind of it would be it was going to be very very difficult to uh, to better that wasn't it exactly listen although part of the day it was it, what a feeling it was when James Grady scored believe it or not I actually watched that game for the stand I never even made the 16 and I, I was that was a real real tough day for me personally because I'd played in like 35 out of the 38 games. And Davey Irons named the team, and whether he brought big Neely McFarlane back into the squad or Eric Partaloo. But I watched, I was, so I was, my parents had travelled six hours for Sunar to Dingwall. So I phoned them and it was close to tears because I'm thinking I'm not even in the squad. That all gets washed away when James Cleary scored the winner. Uh, and listen, no more fitting because what a guy we Jimmy is. He was really, really good with me at Gretna, took me under my wing. And he used to always moan at me about making my runs too early as a midfielder. He says, you need to watch the flight of the pass, how it's coming to me. Do you think I'm going to do it first time, second, uh, first touch, two touch? He says, you need to you need to watch the, the pass that's coming into me and then time your r- runs better. So Jim, he, Jimmy was great with me. So he was a, a top man. So yes, what the worst thing that happened for Gretna was Jimmy, James Gary scoring that goal. See, if they had another season in the championship just to kind of structure and stabilise the club and then maybe push on, then there might have been a different story. But it was always going to be a tough task to, to have a Premier League team Operating out of Motherwell with a fan base from a village of 3,000 people. I mean, when you put all the ducks in a row, they, they certainly don't add hope a lot, do they? And a player that I'm still in touch with, Fabian Yontoro, oh, and guys man. that are, I mean, guys oh. that are top, top players with it in that team. And yeah. even uh, Gav, Gavin Skelton, mm-hmm. what a team that was. I, I don't think people will appreciate actually how good that team was in the Championship. They're a top team. Uh, a really good team. I mean, see when I joined Gretna, I obviously went for Stranraer playing week in, week out to going into part-time football. Eh, sorry, going into full-time football, which takes a wee while to adjust to the intensity of training every day. But also, this, and no disrespect to the Stranraer players, but the level of player you're playing with takes a while to adjust because, I mean, I guys, Steve Tosh, David Nichols, John O'Neill, Derek Townsley, B- Bingy, David Bingham when he, when he trained, Gav Skelton, Goff, Oh my God, the list goes on and on and on. There was about 25, 26 of a squad that could have easily played. So it was got to be a real challenge to get into the team initially. Uh, but uh, you're right what you said. Uh, listen, they obviously cherry-picked who they wanted to come through the divisions with them uh, for for the for the exact reason of, of making sure they were successful on the pitch. And, and uh, it was a great time. We Fabian's top man. He he, he really embraced the, the culture. He's a lovely, a lovely, uh, lovely guy. But even look at that team as well. Kyle Norton bringing Kyle, somebody that that yeah. that quality then goes on and plays in the Premier League and even the the, the lads he's had is it the boy John Paul Kizak John Paul Kizak who, who just had you know just the, the world at his feet and That's I see him years later he'd come back up and play the Hamilton Ackes That's right. and he just never had that wee spark about him that he had but what a talented player I because he was uh, the last I'd seen him was he at Scarborough or Chester or one of the clubs down that area. But he, uh, and John Paul came in just probably at the tail end before I left. There was a real influx of kind of uh, with uh, Henry McInwa, uh, Aurelian Colin, uh, Henry uh, Henry's the age I am the new. Ten, Aye, ago, so that's was, right. We went to we went to Parkhead and 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 with the blue strip on and Henry come on with the blue blue tights underneath it. I'm thinking no, don't come on with the blue tights at Parkhead. Whatever you do, but I only came. Uh, Michael Boucher, we had. Uh, Trying to think who else we had. We had Eric was there. Eric Parkhead. And Eric's went on to had a great career. Yeah, he's obviously in Thailand. I think he is now or Singapore or somewhere. I like that. I was watching the, the, the telly all back last year and, and and he was playing in Australia. 
and uh, I think they'd won the, the the conference that they were in, and he was absolutely flying. But I'll rewind you to Aurelian Colin. I mean, he went out and played uh, with LA Galaxy with, with Beckham and that, didn't he? Right, and right, got, got in the team of the year. Got in the, the team of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. that was the type of players that, that you, you guys were attracting the Gretna. I don't know. Did it, uh, something I want to say, and I might be wrong. I think he played in the same team as Terry Henry. Did you, Terry Henry play with the Red Bulls? Right. He did. He did, and then he went to the Galaxy. And then, uh, and, and Big Aureli. Listen, we used to have a thing. We used to train at Annan, and Aurelian was a machine. An absolute machine. So we would run in groups of six or seven and we'd do like 200s around the track. That was Davey Irons used to like his doing 200s. So say we were doing six, we'd all take a go, one go each, at try to beat him. And you'd get up alongside him and he'd just give you the stare and then he'd drop a gear and away you go. You couldn't beat him. He wouldn't let you beat him. So he, wouldn't, he would just bolt on these and what an athlete he was. What how, could athlete. A, how could the player, because I remember at the time, you know, Celtic and that were all in for him and stuff like that. He must have been like way above, a uh, way above that level. He was, he was, he was, uh, the, he was the kind of one of the first. Uh, he was a really, really physical defender, but had great pace. He, he was really agile, uh, uh, and and I mean, he was, he was a strong character. Because listen, don't get me wrong, he's coming from France and an unknown kind of team, and he became a he became a leader. He did. I mean, we were lined up. He, he, he mortified me. Ibrox, we played at Ibrox, right? So this was just his type of character. We're, we're lining up in the tunnel. I'm a Rangers fan, so this is my first time at Ibrox. And they was looking at. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! You're a Stunner fan. Aye, aye. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm, listen. I will do it hand in hand, mate. Oh, listen, <laughs> I'm only a Rangers fan this year. I've not been a Rangers fan the last three years. So. <laughs> uh, so uh, and uh, so we're sitting, I'm looking at looking at whoever's Barry Ferguson and David Weir and all that, and bigger Elaine standing in the in the tunnel, and he shouts, he, he shouts in this French accent. I'm not going to try and do it, but he shouts, "Let's get dirty!" Really loud and really long. Let's get dirty <laughs> in the tunnel. I put an eyebrow, and I'm, I'm like, "Oh, we're fucked." <laughs> 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 but he was brilliant. Listen, fair play to He's went on and had a great career, and he, he was a he was a he was a really nice guy, a really really friendly big fella. And he's went on and I say he did well for himself. So good luck to him. But I loads of good players. Kyle Norton, particularly, what a what a player. Kyle's only a great career. Not even mentioned Kenny Duca. Doctor, listen, you, you don't need to mention him. Everybody, listen, Jeff Stalin's mentioned him enough times. Don't don't need to mention him anymore. <laughs> big jokes, I. He's big doctor goals. He's just great big guy, don't you? If you know him well, Gar, if you've interviewed him a million times, Kenny's just. Do you know what was nice? I, I do. I, I mean this in a night. See, like I'm just a boy for a wee tune, right? And I'm quite respectful and quite quiet and thingy. See the other like there was characters within that great dressing room who were loud and like do you know what I mean and and really took control. See guys like Ryan McGuffey, Gavin Skelton. Danny Granger, Kenny Duker, David Matheson, just regular nice guys who you got on with and are gentlemen, gentlemanly to you and respectful and and just nothing was too much hassle. I I, I like them, they, they, them type of characters because seeing you in and like Tosha digging you from a, a pass and and David X digging you and John O'Neill and all that, it was kind of like oh. Oh, what are they shouting at me for? Because you'd went to being a leader in the Sonar dressing room to maybe just kind of try to feed your way into the Gretna dressing room. 
the one the the you had the cat man Selwyn and the and the guy that helped him, the guy that helped him, Anton the Anton the physio. He's at Arsenal. I was on the telly celebrating the FA Cup one. Anton, Anton, listen, Anton was. He was the right. He was just a boy then, wasn't he? Uh, he was, he was boy, just a boy yeah. there. He helped Selwyn, the, the kit man. Aye. And then he, he, he kind of took his first steps into physio under you know the best guys I've ever met in football, Kenny Crichton. Kenny, aye, aye. Oh, wow. What a man Kenny is. Aye. What a man. Uh, so, Anton kind of, Kenny took Anton under his wing. Kenny Crichton, Kenny Crichton knitted that dressing room together. What a character he is. So, it's absolute. He was a stubborn, I think he was a stubborn album, wasn't it, the last? Is that what it is? Is that what uh, it, it was, aye. He, he was up there, aye. Aye, aye top man, Kenny says. But, aye, listen, it's really good because he, you can see people, and they'll say Gav Skelton, assistant manager at Carlisle. He, it's nice to, to, to reckon, recognise people that you played with that are going, oh, where are they now? Oh, they're doing that, they're doing that. So, aye, it's nice, nice to keep an eye on them, so it is. As, as we've mentioned, it obviously kind of reached that ceiling and, I think you kind of let you left for Morton just before it kind of before it all ended, didn't you? You got out in, in if you like, at the, just about at the right time. I with 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 no shortage of thanks to Davy Irons. Davy Irons kind of pulled all the kind of boys who'd been there a while, and all the Scottish boys, Davy Graham, Colin McMenamin, we Jimmy, Martin Canning, kind of say, listen. I mean, you you knew the way the club was being run. You just knew that things weren't they weren't they right. And the, 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 it was maybe on the downward, downward spiral. And Davy says, if you can get out, get out. Uh, and myself, James, and Kanzo all left on the, the last day of the window. And I went to Morton, and Jimmy and uh, Kanzo went to Hamilton. Sure. Uh, so I, thanks to Davy, or else I would have been there. Listen, and that's not to say I was desperate to leave, but you, you, you're thinking of your livelihood. Listen, two, but six weeks after I left, they went into liquid uh, administration. And boys are getting thirty percent of the wages or whatever they were due. Uh, so, I it was it, it was a, a great experience. I, I played in the Premier League. I scored in the Premier League. Something that I never ever thought I would, I would, I would be capable of doing or get the opportunity to do. What people probably don't know is the season leading up to the Premier League. Uh, Mick Wadsworth had came and said, "Listen, if you can find another club, you're free to go." Uh, and folk don't know that. And oh Jesus, what a hammer blow that was! But again, then I revert back to the qualities that, that, that people instilled in you. Thought, no, something I've worked hard to get here, and I'm going to continue to work hard. First game of the season, we went to Falkirk, and, and, and I started, and, and I started the next seven, eight games after that, and then I dropped out and I came back in. Uh, so I, I wasn't going to let my, my, my hard work for. So I've been part time for seven and a half, eight year. I wasn't going to let my hard work when I was almost on the crest of getting to where I wanted to go slip away. So uh, I, it was. Uh, it was unique. There'll never be another Gretna, and I'm, I'm quite sure there'll be folk that are thankful of that. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, particularly Stuart Crosgrove. I always chuckle at Stuart Crosgrove and off the ball. He always got a bee in his bonnet about Gretna, so he hates Gretna. <laughs> Just um, you obviously went on to Morton, and, and I don't want to kind of like gloss over your time at Morton, but you know the, the Ballymena thing came after that, and and did how things how things went in Morton at the time maybe didn't maybe go to plan as much as you'd wanted and, and but at the, at the same time you wouldn't have gone to Balamina if that, if that had been the case No the simple facts were uh, when I left Gretna I had signed a three and a half year contract with Gretna when I left after two years Morton took that contract over for another three and a half years so essentially I was on the same contract for five and a half six years my last season at Morton 
it was my best season personally under Alan Moore. I think I scored 11 or 12 goals and won a lot of Player of the Year awards for the supporters and that. Moore came to me and taught man Moore. So yes, uh, he says, big man, it's a 50% wage cut. Uh, if you want to stay. He says, and that just fell in line with, listen, see when I made my debut for Gretna against Morton, there was 5,000 folk there. It's on, the, it's on the, I was looking up the other day and then under Murray there'd maybe be 1,500 people at Morton. So the, the club had to be run in terms of the finance that was coming in and, and Douglas Ray was obviously taking, he was in his later years and he was stepping back and, and, and Crawford was going to be taking over. So I understood it. I understood it. Uh, and then I just kind of thought, is it maybe the right time? I, I, I achieved everything I'd achieved in Scottish football. I, I can never win the Premier League. I'm not good enough to play for Rangers or Celtic. So uh, I, I thought maybe it's an, an opportunity to experience something different. And Cutchie, Gary McCutchie, my pal, was in. Irish football and spoke very highly of it and I actually went over to Balamina and met the manager and had a look around about the place and it's a great setup and great people as we talked about earlier on uh, and they, they, they made me an offer that, that was fitting the way and, and was acceptable to me and I just thought ah the right time to kind of move back to part-time football and listen if you'd asked me did I think I would be there for six years and be 254 games later not a chance but what a place I absolutely loved it so I did I was just about to ask you, was it part-time? You've obviously uh, touched on that. So how would that work then? Just get the boat over on a boat for Stone Rar over? Train, train, did you go train twice a week? No, no I just I, I trained, trained, trained in at Stone Rar uh, and, and uh, on occasion just trained myself. And they were, they were great that they obviously they knew the type of character I was, that I wasn't going to take the piss and I wasn't going to rock up three stone overweight and take him up. I mean, I, I, I wanted to make a success of it. So I, I, they, they allowed me that. What I would do is on a Saturday, I would get the half past 10 ferry from Cairn Ryan. Balamina are sponsored by McBurney Transport, which is a, a, a huge yeah, haulage company. Massive. So they, they, they put loads of business through P&O ferries. So basically we booked, myself and Kutchie booked on a McBurney's account. We would take a car, take the car over, arrive into Valen at half 12, you're half an hour to Balamina, you're half an hour to Belfast, an hour to Portadowns and Arvin, and then you play your game, and then you'd wait and get the eight o'clock ferry home and be home at ten o'clock at night. Few so years later. Ah, uh, well, no, to be honest, not very often because I made that step into co- youth coaching, and the youth right. coaching on Sunday, so you couldn't Sunday. come up breaking yeah. a hangover because you would need to drive to the minibus to Dumfries or Glasgow or wherever to, with the youth kids. So, uh, I it was uh, that that that's how my day planned out on a Saturday. It was a long, long day. Yeah, and I touched on it, but obviously before we come on here, the uh, obviously I'd been out there with the over thirty fives team, and and it's just a kind of different way of life. Uh, and you talk about McBurney's, the actual son who oh, the college company he, he he played in that team. Oh. But for people who don't know the Irish league and the standard of football out there, where does that kind of compare to sort of Scottish Championship? Aye, well, I think the stronger teams. I think we've seen a wee evidence of that with this bloody daft competition that they've invited every man and their dog into. Obviously, Linfield and Crusaders have been in it. I think uh, Cliftonville might have been in it. Glenavon, he played against Scottish teams. And I think Linfield, Crusaders, Cliftonville uh, would, would, would cope in the championship. I think they would, I don't think they'd do any any worse than another Broth or an Alloa. But you need to remember they're part-time. So there's always got to be that wee golfing class where you go for part-time to full-time. But top end of League One, bottom end of the Championship, for, for some of your teams, I think Balamina would would cope no problem in League One just now. No I, actually, 
I didn't realise how many games you actually played out there. I actually played, played more games out there than anywhere, any other club in yep. your career. Would that, would that be fair to say? I, I think it was 208 for Stranraer. I think that's obviously like league games. I had 254 for Balamino over the six years. So it was obviously in my contract that I had to play every week. <laughs> <laughs> and, was there, and was there other boys from other teams on that boat going over? No, no, just me and Kutchie. Uh, we, we spent a year together as a teammate and then he moved to Crusaders. Uh, right. We shared the boat, but he went when I when, when I got old, he went left to Belfast and I went north to, to Ballymena. <laughs> so I did. So uh, no, there was nobody else. Kevin Kelby, a boy we, we over played with Glenavon for a year. Kevin went on to who did Kevin play with Linlithgow? I think maybe later on he, he was at Morton when I was there as well. Uh, Kelby had played with Ballymena and Glenavon, but no big Stuart Grishin. Stuart tried Grishin, it. I was just about to say that Stuart Grishin went out there, didn't he? Big, big Grish tried uh, it. Big Grish, big Grish couldn't deal with the the flying in for games and flying out. So he right. flew into Glasgow. So Big Grish was only there a wee while. I mean, he'd obviously made a huge impression at Derry City when he was in there. I was going to say, he was two teams out there, wouldn't he? Did he, he play with Derry? He went to Derry in the south, then up to... Aye, he went on. He went on in the north. Uh, and he, he was only there a wee while. And, and to be fair, uh, what a man Big Grish is. He must, have, he must have had his Rangers chain when he was uh, ah. playing at Derry Top man, yes, top man. I actually went to, one time I was at Ibrox walking and I and I'm bumped in and this hello, how are you? And it's, you'll not know who I am. I'm Stuart Grecian's mum. It was Grecian's mum was at the Rangers games. <laughs> <laughs> well, well but I listen, some great times with Big Grecian at Morton and uh, I, I actually when I we talk about that kind of team that I picked, Grecian would be one of my centre halves. I love but he was an absolute warrior, Aye. typical centre half. Came off battered, but bloodied and bruised, but all for the benefit of the team. I but great guy. But by the end of your six years, I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, you, you were worshipped by the fans. You'd, I think you played the Irish Cup final, lost that. You'd won the League Cup final, scored in the final. Then you were inducted into the Hall of Fame. But that, that League Cup final I mentioned, you know, a lot of emotion must have been going through you that day with with your with the diagnosis for your mum and keeping it yeah. to yourself and then scoring the goal. And, and I read somewhere about how that all kind of almost didn't, didn't engulf you really until after the final whistle. No, I, what happened was, so it, because it was a cup final, it was on a Saturday, I, as I said, I didn't go over for training, but David Jeffrey was the manager at the time, uh, he said, could you come over? So, uh, obviously my mum and dad had known for a wee while, so I was I was about to get on the ferry to, 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 uh, to go to training, we were preparing for the cup final on the Wednesday, so I, I, I got, and my mum and dad kind of told me the situation with my, with my mum. Uh, and then I went on the boat and trained and just like a zombie. So obviously it's a lot to take in. And I kept that to myself and, and I obviously played the game, was fortunate enough to score. And there is highlights on it on YouTube or that. But after I score, I jump in celebration. And see if he jumping, I was going to say 10 feet in there, but probably about one foot in there. See if, <laughs> uh, see if that, I would, from me uh, hitting, hitting the ground, See that surge of emotion that just went through me. And after the, as I'm walking back to the halfway line with Jim Irvin, uh, who was one of my teammates at the time, I put my jumper over my face and I could feel my eyes. And just the emotion of every, the whole week and my mum and everything just kind of hit me. And that's why probably that game is probably my most special game ever being on a football field because I because of what it meant to me, because of what I knew. My mum was in the crowd. I just it was just it was just a special time. So I uh, it was a uh, it's quite nice to look back on it. Listen, my mum's all good and fit and healthy oh, yeah. just now, so that's that's the most important thing out of all. So, uh, an emotional time indeed. 
And, and David Jeffrey as well. You know, we've talked about Billy McLaren. We've talked about Neil Watt. We've talked about Rowan, uh, David Irons. What, what, what was David Jeffrey like? He's obviously a big character in the game out there, isn't he? Uh, he's I, he's uh, he's the best I've worked under. Uh, so he is in the small time, and 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 I think that's probably I think it's maybe an unfair reflection, but it's the way I feel because at the age I was at, I was watching him because I knew coaching and managing was on my horizon. He was the most decorated coach in Northern Irish football. So he, I was like, I need to watch him. I need to see what he's doing, how he prepares. And he is to the letter. He's to the minute. You go out for a warm-up together and everybody goes out the same. You do, everybody goes out dressed the same. He says, when, when, uh, and the reason he wants everybody to say him, he says, when they go out, they think, he used to say, they think there's a fucking army coming. That's what he used to say. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted everybody, like, a, we were out together, warmed up together, we were back in it. 244, uh, everybody silent at 256, so he could eat his last one minute. And he used to do this thing, and you know something, it's daft, but I, I loved it. See, when you walked out the dressing room, he would grab you his hands like a round Alexander handshake, shake you by the hand, and kiss you bang right in the forehead, honestly, <laughs> and just wish you all the best. And you know something, I'm set, I was 34, 35, I loved it. I was like, oh, yeah, it was just part of it. And I'm thinking, Can I kiss him back? <laughs> I kissed, I, after, we, after, we, after we won the after we won the cup final, uh, uh, but I it was he's it just just a great man. He's a great speaker. Uh, the first time he the first time he got the job, he phoned me and I, genuinely you were I'm like, that was a piece of piss. I'm I'm Lionel Messi. He made you he just made you feel great about yourself. Honestly, God, he just spoke so so positively about you. And if I had one regret, and I don't have many. I would have liked to have played under him when I was 28, 29, 30, because he was just he was just a great motivator, a great man-manager, tactically very aware. I, I I couldn't speak highly enough of the man. Then, I mean, when it, when it eventually came to an end, you, you kind of came back and that was that was your junior's experience then came after that, didn't it? You know, and and, and, and how was that transition coming coming back? And we, you must have been sad to leave there when when, when, when the time came. I it was just it, because it, it was quite a fitting end because as and again we go back to talking about your legs going maybe I maybe no but I was thirty five we'd won the league cup we'd qualified for Europe with the Europa League which was worth a quarter of a million to the club which is huge in in Irish league football so when I my last game at the showgrounds we beat Glenavon in the Europa League playoff and I just thought scored the scored the league cup final. How do we top this? Because it's really, really difficult. All the stars need to align in the sky for Balamina to win the league. And you know what I mean? To beat a Linfield or a, a Crusaders or, or, or that type of team. So I just thought, is it the right time? Uh, and, and and I just decided, ah, it's the right time. Six years. I've had a great time. We'll go out on a high. Rather than going out and somebody saying, oh my God, his legs are going. He's hopeless. You don't want folk to say that. I, I, I waited until I joined the juniors before folk would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, that's that's it, and I just obviously chose to chose to make the step into junior football. Uh, and, and, and going to, go to Hurlford at the time must have been on a big a bigger budget than Balamina. <laughs> they had some good players in that team. Aye, aye, listen. I'm, so the boy Barn at Saint Martin, he was. He said Martin, he was there, wasn't he? Well, no, Dev was there after me, but was I, Mark Roberts, Stuart Keane, uh, and they'd obviously signed. I knew Halford because there was three boys fishing all the two: Danny and Glenn Mitchell, right? Young Dean Agnew, they they were there as well. I knew Darren. Uh, and I, I, you'd watch the kind of because Danny and Glenn played I'd always kept an eye out for it Neely McGregor played with him Stevie Master my ex-teammate played with him 
so they, I knew they obviously they, they, they were a well-run well club. Went and met Darren, and as I met Darren, I went up to uh, uh, up to the pitch, and the pitch was being dug out, and they were dug, digging drains because they'd obviously had an issue with with, with a waterlogged with the pitch getting waterlogged. So the same people that were doing Celtic Park were doing uh, Blair Park at, at, at Halford. And there was every 10 yards, there was these pipes and these trenches dug into the pitch. Big man will be sorted. He says, this, these are the best guys in the business. We had a game cancelled in October because it was waterlogged. <laughs> uh, so... And it must have a home game at Bayern. I mean, it must have been closer than Hurlford. Oh, I just kept up. Do you know what I quite liked about? I quite liked about the the, the junior football two o'clock kickoff. So you jump uh, back I, in the car and you can listen to the football. The results uh, coming in. Uh, so no, great times. Listen, obviously the nightmare scenario in the the junior cup final when Talbot put scored two goals in in bloody um, two minutes to, to snatch the Scottish Cup phase. Uh, that that was obviously a, a, a low point, but. Great character within that squad to, to bounce back, and we won the West of Scotland a, a couple of weeks later against Beef, and that was a, a big cup to win. So I enjoyed the junior football, so I did. I must admit, I really enjoyed it. It was tinged me slightly because my knee started to after every game and towards the, the kind of Christmas time, my knee started to blow up like a balloon, and I couldn't train. And we were training on AstroTurf at Bonneton, and it was aggravating it, and it was just kind of. I'd never really had a lot of injuries in my career and it was just a kind of time I think oh, this is a nightmare and and you're obviously conscious that you're playing in junior football but you've been senior and it, you're not a superstar but you're obviously folk will be looking at you going oh, he's played senior you know what I mean you're a target I, I, and I just thought oh, maybe I, I just wish I could do what I did five years ago uh, but no I thoroughly enjoyed it and as I say Dimps and uh, and Darn there they're still there now obviously at Halford there's a wee boy that plays me wee Taz Paul McKenzie I don't know how he never played senior football in his life he was a superstar wee boy Paul McKenzie was a wonder player uh, wee boy Callum Watt and then obviously we had Mark Roberts there so the dressing room was fairly quiet so <laughs> <laughs> so after Halford am I right in thinking you went to Darville? see after Halford because I discussed about the problems I was having my knee uh, it was causing me a real issue, and I, I did end up at Halford. But I uh, sorry, I did end up at Darvel. But see, for the whole pre-season, I never did anything because I'm thinking, will I retire? Will I not retire? And I was caught in a real kind of conundrum of what I was going to do because I knew it's like it was just getting harder and harder to train. And obviously, you can't train as much, maybe carry a wee bit more extra weight and things like that. And I just oh. and then during pre-season, govern actually asked me, do you want to have a game? We're struggling for players. So I went up and played a game for Govan, uh, and it was just a game. That's all it was. And then Stranraer Reserves, well, but they had a few boys down, and Kutchie says, do you want to play? So I played the next week for Stranraer Reserves, just as, a, just as a game, with no thought of signing. And then, I don't know how it happened, but Darvel had got wind of this, that I'd played, and Graham Neal had phoned me. Lee Graham and, and Jason, who was there at the time, they'd phone me and says, we're playing, who would it be? Would it be Rutherglen and Crayon, I think, maybe, or somebody? Or I think who, they played in kind of black, black, red and yellow. I'm not trying uh, to think who it would be. Pink Lions. Aye. So that, they, it was the first game of the season. Says, do you want to come and play as a trial? Let's see how you got on. I was like, I've had no pre-season. I've played two 90 minutes. When I played with Govan, we get we get absolutely pumped off Comnick, I think. I Comnick it was. We get battered about eight 0 off them, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Uh, but then, so then I played, and Darvel says, "I listen. We can obviously give you, sort you out with this, and you come up and tra- come up and play and things like that." Because I said to them, 
I've got my coaching kind of uh, commitments during the week with the youths and the reserves, and that's something I'm keen to keep up. So I couldn't actually come and train with him. And Graham was fine with that. He was brilliant. He says coming, and then seven or eight games into the time there, uh, and we listen. We there was me, Paul Carman, who's at Maybole now. Carmy was a really good junior player. Ricky Hanvey. Uh, Martin Finlay, and he was he was he, he was there. Uh, Greg Vernon, we had some good players, and but I think everybody had then seen everybody was expecting Darvel to run away because this the John Gall factor of being bankrolled by Brownings the Bakers, and that was and obviously signing the likes of myself and, and boys that played at, at, the, at, the, at the top junior league. But we, we never ever hit the heights. We, we really we really struggled. We never we never really took off and, and we get, we went to Arthurley and get beat and we should never get beat. We had a we had a childless goalkeeper in to, and God love the boy, he sold two goals. Just a young kid. He just and I felt really sorry for him. Uh, he came in, the boy uh, Davey Markey wasn't there and uh, we got this childless boy in and he's he's through two in and we've lost and Graham resigned after the game. Uh, so uh, John Gall had been in at this point. Aye, uh, John Gall was John so, Gall was a man. Uh, he was a man. He was he was he was obviously he was paying there. the wages. Right. He was paying the wages and, and doing all the financial aspect of things. So uh, nothing to what the level they are now. Obviously, the changing rooms are like Man City's changing rooms now. So they are, but they were not like that when I was there. Uh, and then they, uh, they 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 left and they got a new manager and they got Chris Strain. Senior in mm-hmm. uh, we Jock McCall. Jock, is that right, Jock McCall? We Jock McCall. Aye, uh, and it just it, it just didn't happen for me and him. Just that was one of the very very few times where I was really disheartened with a manager. So I was just just I uh, just it just it just wasn't for me, and I wasn't for him. And it, and that's strange. And I kind of look back and think. I like to think I'm a decent enough guy, and I got all my most people. But he just wasn't having me at all, and I, uh, uh, I never played. And then I played. We went up to Cumbernauld. No, 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 no Cumbernauld. Cumbernauld or something like that, and played a played a, a cup game. And I played centre half, and I hadn't played for five or six weeks. Played centre half. Had a howler. I had a nightmare, and uh, and like we get beat by we beat four two or something like that. And I just in the dressing room, I said, listen, he tried to dig a young boy out. And I put my hand up and said, no, listen, I'll take responsibility for the goals. I'm a mile off it. And I was a mile off it. I was honest enough to say, I'm a mile off it. So I phoned him the next day and said, listen, clearly I'm no going to play in your team. Next week, I'm no going to play because I had a nightmare. And I'm a mile off it. I need to play. For me to get in your team, I need to play games. You can, you are no going to play me on that evidence. Can I go on loan? And they'll beat you star, who's obviously a local team. I had some connections there, and I went and played with WT. See, see for that, see for that day, that phone call with Chris Strain, and for me being it, obviously I was alone for six weeks, and then I was to go back. I, I phoned him to, to to tell him how I was getting on. I left him messages and all that, and he never returned one message or one phone call. Never, never spoke to the guy again in my life. Even when I left, I never spoke to him. It was John Gore I spoke to when I went to kind of make my my loan kind of permanent to WT. Chris Strain never once spoke to me again. I don't know why. Yeah. I, the, only, the only connection I've got with Chris Strain is I'd agreed to sign with Kilwinning before I signed with Halford. Uh, and obviously, his boys, the manager of Kilwinning. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only time I can think I've upset the Strain family because, see, when I travelled with uh, a new Strainy, a uh, young Strainy, because I travelled with Colin Stewart, 
and they're all kind of your pals so I knew them and, and they just for some reason the dad never ever spoke to me again don't know why still to this day I don't know why why he never returned my calls or aught but I left and went to the beat in the lowland probably played for about three four months and then really my knee just packed in and I and I just there was a game at Stirling and uh, Stirling, it was Stirling Uni were playing at Stirling Albion's ground and the game, it was on grass and the game was going by me and I actually said to Richie Maxwell at, at, at half time Richie you need to take me off I said I, 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 no and this wasn't a, this wasn't a sympathy vote or this wasn't a, this, I said you need to take me off there's too much energy in that the middle of the pitch for me and there was the boy, the, they're all uni boys running about bombing here there and everywhere and I was struggling and I just thought nah I need to come off and I don't think I played again and then ultimately I got my op in, this, in that summer after the season finished I got my op in the summer my knee felt better and I decided to start kicking a ball again because obviously I'd got the, the, my knee flushed out my bones shaved a wee bit and I was uh, I felt a bit better about myself but I mean, that's, that was my kind of my Lower, lower junior career and can obviously Lowland League career. So that standard of the Lowland League, my my take on the Lowland League is obviously the gateway to a bigger thing. But a lot of the teams in there are maybe new teams. Mm-hmm. They don't really have the fan base. They don't really have the infrastructure that a Darvel's got, that a Clyde Banks got, and things like that. What would you see the standards like in there? Because I often wonder whether the Premier League of the juniors would actually be better than that. So, in terms of the, the, the footballing standard, the footballing standard is probably better in the Lowland League because they want to play football. See the see the Junior Premier League Yeah. would eat that league up. See your Halfords, yeah. your Auckland Lakes, your Kilwinnins, your Beaths at the time who are really, really strong. Uh, see the way they play the game. Go back to what we talked right at the very start of the, the, the interview about the, about the old school kind of football, proper football. You, you saw you saw the Talbot, the Talbot, the Talbot would would, would muller teams in that junior league, so they would uh, in and, that lower league. And Tucker's been on here and's quite openly admitted, you know, it is direct football. You know, well, it's not absolutely. Tucker should never apologise for that because he's absolutely. I mean, he's obviously won one seven Scottish Cups. Oh. Yeah, I stole one out of my hand, so he did. But no, the the I just think that there is now. You see, you like see your Kilties, uh, who, who runs Stranraer, my own team, close a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I'm trying to think. BSC East Kilbride, Ginger's obviously invested a lot. What I noticed about when we played Derby against. East Kilbride, they had the boy Graham Holmes, uh, Homer mm-hmm. that used to play, mm-hmm. and, uh, Paul Woods, Craig Malcolm, uh, boys like that. They had, whereas Derbyte had me and maybe a bo- couple of boys who kind of had made fleeting appearances with Queen of the South and that. They had boys that had played at the top, le- uh, who'd played in the, the senior league for a number of years. And I think that, I think Kelty, East Kilbride, uh, Listen, Bonnie Rigg did Bonnie, what a show Bonnie Rigg put up the, the other day against Dundee. Uh, so it, it'd be interesting, but if you'd asked me, I would say that the, the, the junior Premier League is stronger, or certainly in, in my opinion. I'm Adam Hopes, co manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
That was the second part of Alan Jenkins' interview. Uh, great stories, great guy, Paul. Fantastic guy. You know, Gareth, I, I love everything we do on this show, and we've never had a bad guest. And, you know, even sometimes when you don't know somebody, the stories are brilliant and it's great. Obviously, both of us have had some kind of connection at Gretna and kind of know Alan. Uh, but his stories are absolutely fantastic and probably one of the nicest guys in football, isn't he? Definitely, definitely. Great chat, that was. Um, before we finish up, we'll clear up the down the divisions decider. Over to you with those clues again, Paul. Now, I know you've got it, so... Well, I'm not counting my chickens yet, Paul. No, I wouldn't me? either. So they were founded in 1878, then reformed in 2002. They won the Scottish second division in season 2003-2004. They were once described as the luckiest team in Scotland having benefited in league division placements due to other clubs' misfortunes on three occasions. And that was season 2008, 2009 and 2012. And in June 2013, they changed their name and reverted back to their original name from 1874. So I think the reason I know this answer was I moved to Scotland in 2002 and one of the first things I was sent to, I was actually sent, I was shadowed. I shadowed one of the, the more senior reporters uh, at the time. One of the first things I went to was the the meeting or the, the culmination of the meeting at Hamden when Airdrie were trying to take over the Clyde Banks place in the league. And uh, I remember waiting at Hamden for s- several hours before Jim Ballantyne came out and it was announced that they were taking over Clyde Banks' place. So my answer is Edry. Wrong. Edryonians. You are right. Edry. Edryonians. Edry United. Then back to Edryonians. <laughs> well yes. done. Was so that, that was, easy? Was it that, that easy? Was, well, that was one of my first weeks. So that kind of sticks with me. Uh, that'll stick with me for a while because, uh, yeah, as I say, 2002 was the, the year I moved up to Scotland. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions.